0: Hey everyone, this is Brian speaking. Just wanted to put a little producer's note that this is a special episode coming to you from the Curriculum Council, and this episode is all about restorative justice. So I'm going to change the music real quick. Just to let you know that this is a special, special episode. I'll let them take it away.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to our first podcast episode in our restorative justice for the K-5 classroom series, What is Restorative Justice? My name is Ariana Kretz. I'm a college student currently based in California and Diversify Our Narrative's co-chair of the Curriculum Council. For those of you who don't know us, Diversify Our Narrative is a student-run, student-led organization that advocates and creates anti-racist curriculum for K-12 classrooms. We have roughly 6,000 active student chapters pushing for this goal across the globe, but are primarily based in the United States. As the Curriculum Council, we are a team of students from diverse backgrounds that create lesson plans, webinars, workbooks, videos, and other educational resources for both teachers and students focused on anti-racism, diversity, equity, and inclusion, LGBTQ plus issues and more. Our goal is to make resources that are extremely accessible for educators to implement into their classrooms while also ensuring that all students feel that their experiences and identities are valued in the curriculum that we make. This podcast series is specifically meant for K-5 educators and schools to give you an overview of restorative justice and how you can implement it at this moment in your K-5 through classroom. Now I want to take a second to recognize that this is a tough time to be an educator We're coming back to school amidst a devastating pandemic with many students struggling just to meet grade-level standards. Beyond that, we've also experienced a much-needed uprising for racial justice across the nation. And more and more, teachers are incorporating these complex, emotionally heavy topics into their classrooms and often with a lot of pushback. We want to say that we see you, we hear you, we thank you. And we hope that this doesn't feel like just another thing you have to add onto your plate because we really do believe that restorative justice can be a fantastic way to enhance your students' social emotional learning skills and strengthen your community in a way that allows it to have productive, healthy, healing dialogues on race and racism in this country. Ultimately. We feel that restorative justice is integral to creating an anti-racist classroom because it works to dismantle historically oppressive structures that focus on punishment and extraction, while restorative justice at its center promotes community and love. Without further ado, we'd like to jump right into our episode by introducing restorative justice and its history.
2: everyone, welcome back. My name is Anusha Kearney. I'm currently a high school junior in Bloomington, Illinois, and this is my second term with Diversifier Narrative's National Curriculum and Allyship Council
3: as a council member. My name is Annika Satia and I'm a junior in high school in Houston, Texas and a new member of Diversifier Narrative's National Curriculum Council. We'll be starting with an overview of what restorative justice is.
2: First off, the current disciplinary system most of us live in is centered on punitive approaches like zero tolerance policies, being forced to sit in a corner and suspension. These are examples of structural racism within schools because they disproportionately impact BIPOC, low income communities and uphold the school to prison pipeline. Therefore, our goal is to reanalyze the punitive approach to disciplinary measures in our school environments as well as on a broader scale.
3: So restorative justice is an approach that focuses on addressing the harm caused to an individual or environment and restoring the environment to its original norms. Restorative justice aims to break cycles of punitive systems, which often advocate for isolating those who have caused harm from the community. In short, restorative justice's goal is to return the person who has caused harm back into the community and make the person who was harmed feel safe within the community once again. Restorative justice centers the relationships between community members emphasizes community values, and fosters understanding, compassion, and accountability. A common misconception with restorative justice is that it prioritizes the offender and
2: is ineffective in its ideology. On the contrary, restorative justice actually offers a system of mutual understanding, reconciliation, and promotes the rebuilding of trust, rather than utilizing punishment as a solution. Furthermore, this practice works to center the person who is harmed in the situation, and ensures that safety is being prioritized. Through restorative justice, the offender is given the agency to learn and grow rather than being subjected to isolating measures. And the community is able to act as a support system for all.
0: Welcome back. I'm Mohamed Zachariah Kader, a high school senior from New Jersey and one of the members of Diversify Our Narrative's Curriculum Council. Now, moving on to restorative justice's history. To begin, it is critical to recognize how many of the values, principles, and practices of restorative justice harken back to Indigenous cultures. Indigenous groups from around the world have been practicing restorative justice for centuries. From the Majikining First Nation community in Ontario, Canada, to the Navajo Nation in New Mexico, USA, to Aboriginal and Maori tribes all the way across the globe.
3: One major figure in Indigenous restorative justice practices is Robert Yazzie, Chief Justice Emeritus of the Navajo Supreme Court, who stated this when discussing the principles of restorative justice in comparison to modern justice systems. I always say that America responds to crime after the fact, not before the fact. Therefore, most of the justice work done by the Navajo is rooted in prevention meant to maintain harmony and balance in the community.
0: Furthermore, in Aboriginal tribes from what is now labeled as Australia, They teach that all things are part of a whole, held together by relationship. Restorative justice emphasizes the individual's responsibility to these relationships within the community.
3: Lastly, one of the restorative practices already widely known in child welfare is family group conferencing. Family group conferencing was originally developed in 1989 when the Maori people pushed New New Zealand's legislature to shift focus from funneling young people through the court system to keeping them with their families and communities. This practice has now been applied to criminal justice.
0: The growing popularity of restorative justice and its establishment as a field of study emerged during the 1970s when alternative approaches to the court process, such as alternative dispute resolution, were becoming a national trend. Today, 30 states either have restorative justice principles in their mission statements and policy plans, or legislation promoting a more balanced and restorative juvenile justice system.
3: So now that we've covered the basics, why should we apply restorative justice to schools?
0: Well, despite originating within criminal justice, Restorative justice is a practice that has been translated to the classroom due to its success in repairing relationships and communities. Restorative justice in the classroom allows for each student's educational outcomes and their experience in the classroom to be understood.
3: By centering the classroom on restorative justice, teaching students what being part of a community looks like, and emphasizing mutuality, rehabilitation, and self-worth, we can shape the future of our country and furthermore our world. After all, each student's perspectives and viewpoints begin in the classroom.
4: Hello everyone, my name is Valentina Moreno, I'm a high school senior from California and a member of the DON Curriculum Council. So now that we've briefly touched on the history and the importance of restorative justice, what does it actually look like in the K-5 setting? Does it work? To find out, we asked Dr. Isabel Govea. Dr. Govea is currently a principal at Oakmont High School in Roosevelt, California. She was a principal at an elementary school for six years prior to her current position. At both her prior elementary school and high school, she had experience with restorative practices. How are you familiar with the philosophy of restorative justice?
5: I first became familiar with that philosophy without knowing what it was called or you know, that, that particular name. Uh, when I f- first became an administrator, which is about 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And um, we were doing a lot of different things that were restorative in nature, but I didn't really know that that's what it was called. Um, And then as education theory kind of evolved, um, I became more and more familiar with that particular phrase and all that it embodied. Um, And so when I became a principal um, at an elementary school about six years ago, we started using different components of restorative practice. Um, to address the different um, issues that we were dealing with and and have a specific structure to address the social development of our students.
4: Okay. And what did restorative justice look like in your work with K-5 through students?
5: It involved um, really helping kids understand their own feelings about things, um, kind of some, a little bit of awareness um, of their self and understanding of others. And so we spent a lot of time teaching students how to listen to each other, how to be understanding with each other and um, making sure that we had a community built around that to have conflict resolution. Um, so a lot of time and energy spent on making sure students understood their feelings and understood the feelings of others.
4: And what benefits did you see restorative justice make in K-5 through students' educational experiences?
5: Um, you know, it allowed us to make sure that students knew how to, um, we ended up creating more empathy in students because they were able to not just be aware of themselves, but understand that other people had perspectives that maybe were different than their own, and that that was okay. Um, And that empathetic aspect of it was really beneficial, not just in their social development, but also just how they engaged in the classroom. Uh, because they were able to see things that um, sometimes they misunderstood. For example, a teacher redirecting them to focus. They maybe have felt as though the teacher was um, isolating them in some way, but it was really, um, a, you know, kind of empathy in both directions, right? Um, because all, as adults, we engaged in that. We also wanted our students to engage in uh, a more empathetic perspective on their education. Uh, so it really helped in that regard. Uh, But not just in social development, but also in academic development.
4: And why do you think restorative justice is relevant to implement coming back from a pandemic?
5: Well, it's especially important because I think that the pandemic really uh, enabled a lot of people, young people, kids, teenagers, adults. um, You know, we kind of were given, um, not we didn't want this time per se, but we were given an opportunity, right, to reflect on everything that was happening in our lives uh, because we were um, in many, time, many uh, aspects of that time frame, we were in containment, we were um, kind of left to our own thoughts and our own reflection about what was happening. And many, many people did take advantage of that. And I think that coming out of the pandemic, um, we, we became accustomed to um, really thinking about where we were in our personal space and, and um, in our lives. But I think that engaging in restorative practices now is critical because sometimes when you do a lot of reflecting, you can become you can become desensitized and only think that only you are being affected, that only you have these issues that you're dealing with when in reality the pandemic impacted every single person in ways that we may not even realize. So engaging in restorative practices allows us to tap into that empathy that was there beforehand but we lost a little side of it because you know every, everything was so personal during the pandemic everything was about you know just the the, the, the hardship that we were feeling as an, as individuals um and so coming out of it now that we're coming back into society if you will um, engaging with our peers um, seeing our peers even right socializing um we we need to make sure that we're understanding of others um, and that we are considerate of what other people's might have ex- other people might have experienced that could have been um, you know even more detrimental than what we might have gone through
4: And how do you see this empathy relating to anti-racism? How is restorative justice relevant to anti-racism
5: in education? It's relevant to anti-racism because you know I'm the kind of person and in education I've always had this philosophy um, that really we all, need to embrace uh, seeking to understand others, seeking to understand their their experiences, seeking to understand what has impacted them um, in relation to feeling um, uh, stereotyped or feeling like somebody committed some type of prejudice act uh, against them. Um, and I think that that restorative circle allows for that dialogue to occur in a constructive, healthy way so that nobody feels like they're being attacked, right? So if I'm the person that feels like somebody, you know, discriminated against me um, and and this person is is before me, I don't want to attack them. I don't want them to feel as though they're a bad person, Uh, but I do want to create that sense of empathy. And the only way that that happens, particularly if we embrace restorative practices in the school setting, is that we create a positive structure for that. So there's no shaming, there's no guilting of anybody, um, there, that more so we, we embrace understanding of each other so that we could both grow from these experiences.
4: Okay, thank you so much.
5: You're very welcome.
1: So to recap, In this podcast, we learned that 1. Restorative justice is an important tool for this moment in time because it helps students develop social-emotional learning skills and builds a strong community with anti-racist values. 2. Restorative justice is an approach that focuses on addressing the harm caused to an individual or environment and restoring the environment to its original norms. 3. The modern restorative justice movement has its roots in indigenous practices from across the world. If you've enjoyed this material and are ready to do more, we highly encourage you to go try out our student resource. It's a short educational video that discusses the main principles of restorative justice and how to use them for conflict resolution in a kid-friendly fashion. You can find that on our website and our YouTube channel. You can also download our Anti-Racist Teaching Intensive, which is located at the DAWN website. We have a whole chapter dedicated to restorative justice with worksheets, reflection questions, and videos for you to hone in your skills. And, of course, be on the lookout for the next episodes of our podcast, which will be uploaded to this page and will dive deeper into actual practices you can integrate into your K-5 classroom. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Diversify Our Narrative Curriculum Council. See you next time. The hosts for this podcast, in order of appearance, were Ariana Kretz, Anusha Nankarni, Anika Satya, Muhammad Zakaria Kader, and Valentina Moreno. This podcast episode was produced by Ariana Kretz and edited by Brian Le. Special thanks to Brian Le and Elizabeth Fisher, our resident podcast experts who are integral to putting this podcast episode together, and of course, our wonderful guest, Dr. Isabel Govea. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to keep up with the next episode of our series, Restorative Justice in the K-5 Classroom.